Jesus, all human and all God. One of us, but not of us. He's the beginning and the end of everything. Angels sung his praises as he ruled in heaven. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face. And with two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. His word birthed the universe, expanding with heat and light. With his word, stars were formed. Planets spun on their axis. Life swam, flew, hopped, walked upon the land. And all that was and is, is dependent upon his life-sustaining power. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Now, now, Jesus stands before his created image bearers, not in honor, not in glory and praise, but in shame, condemnation, and contempt. He stands silent, but steady. Crucify him! Crucify him, the crowd shakes. They reject this Messiah King. They reject Jesus and his kingdom. We don't naturally want Jesus to be authority over us. We reject the rightful ruler, and instead we choose to build our own thrones of ambition, self-glory, living in self-worship, and living to build our own kingdoms of darkness. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Jesus is an innocent man, the innocent lamb of God, sinless, spotless, perfect, 
shouting, the crowds call out for his murder. Silently, Jesus holds his tongue. What evil has he done? Pilate queries. Nothing is the implied answer. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There's no other sacrifice. There's no other sacrificial lamb to rescue us from our helpless, depraved state. There's no salvation in anyone else. We're marred, corrupted and twisted with sin. It's encoded in our DNA. Although we appear to be alive, we're walking dead. Our connection to the source of life and power has been cut. We're batteries slowly draining. We might be fooled into thinking we can try and strive to please, appease God, but we can't. God's purity is a blazing perfection. God is holy. His very nature consumes, for our God is a consuming fire. And in our sinfulness, we're like exposed fuel, which will ignite in the heat of God's consuming holiness. We're headed for destruction before a holy God. Our good efforts, our good works offer no cover, no protection. There's no scaling system. No matter how insignificant or minor the impurity may seem, it's still impurity in comparison to perfect purity. Just like a drop of poison contaminates the whole glass of water, purity is also lost in one moment of sinfulness, of thought and deed. it is written none is righteous no not one no one understands no one seeks for God all have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Jesus is scourged. Crap! Pieces of bone and metal deeply embed themselves into Jesus' flesh. Crack! The whip strikes Jesus' back again, blood splattering on the ground. Whoop! The snake-like whip, an instrument of our sin, your sin, strikes over 
and over and over again. Jesus' body is mutilated. He bore this so that we could have the burden of our sin removed from our back. His blood, his blood moistened the earth so that yours wouldn't need to be spilt. In his brokenness, we find healing and wholeness. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. No mercy shown. Soldiers lead him away to be mocked. Hail, King of the Jews! Once clothed in glory and robed with splendor, now robed in scorn and mockery. They dress him in purple, the color of royalty. They twist a crown of thorns, piercing his brow. Jesus bows his head and wears a crown of shame so that we might receive a crown of life. He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. How often we have mocked our God. We've mocked our Lord when we choose to place ourselves in the place of God. When we have things and ideas rule over us, replacing the true crown of spiritual identity with cheap imitation substitutes. Jesus allowed himself to be clothed with our wickedness, being our representative and our substitute. He bears our names on that cross so that we might receive a clean garment of righteousness and a royal crown of entrance into the family of God. Whack! The soldiers strike Jesus' head. He would crush the serpent's head. Whack! The soldiers strike his head with a reed. They spit on him. So often we've spat in Jesus' face. We spit when we choose paths of wickedness. We spit when we say no to God. The soldiers kneel before him, making fun of him. But in the end, every knee shall bow at the majesty of Christ. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Crucify him! Crucify him! Jesus is spent. A heavy cross is placed upon his shoulders. He walks towards his death. He stumbles towards his death. This is a journey he has intentionally walked. He has set his face towards Jerusalem to fulfill all that must be accomplished. 
And we too are called to pick up our cross and follow Jesus if he is our Lord. But it is only, it is only because of Jesus choosing to pick up his cross that we can even follow. They lay Jesus down. Roman soldiers fasten Jesus to the cross with nails driven through his hands and feet. Bang! Bang! It's not the nails that fasten him there, but love. Love for his chosen. Two criminals on their own crosses hurled insults. Jesus is numbered amongst the transgressors. Those passing by and the religious leaders revile him. <laughs> save yourself. He cannot save himself. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Darkness covers the land for three hours light of the world is covered and Jesus cries out Eloi, Eloi Lama Sabachthani my God my God, why have you forsaken me Jesus has become sin for us, he has been rejected by the Father the cross was the instrument for God's judgment upon the earth it stood and it breached between heaven and earth Jesus was bridging the gap, allowing us to have access to God. All of God's righteous anger was placed upon Jesus on that cross. On that cross, Jesus remained there, despite being able to summon legions of angels. He remained there, fastened with every agonizing breath, so that you wouldn't have to be on that cross. He remained on that, Christ, on that cross despite the scorn, despite the insults for our sin and our rebellion. Our sin and rebellion were placed upon Jesus on that tree. Our sin and rebellion was placed on Jesus on that tree. Every time we lie, every time we're selfish, every time we rob God of his proper place, every time we hurt our friends and family, we speak words that are unkind, we have malice in our heart, we're selfish, we're self-glorifying, we desire to have our way, my way, all the way, all the time. These were placed on Jesus on that cross. Our heart 
Out of the overflow of our wicked heart come many sins and grievances. And God's wrath and anger at such wickedness is rightfully meant to be placed on us. But it's not. It's placed on Jesus on that cross. He is our substitute. He is our representative. He bears your name. He places your name on that cross with those hands nailed on that cross. He is up there for you with that wickedness placed on him, with that decry of dereliction. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He is on that cross because in us, instead of us, for us, on behalf of us, he is on that cross. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. This whole ministry has led to this point. This was his plan. This was his purpose. He came to die. And he's completed his mission. He bows his head and he says, it is finished. And in those words, there is the hope that we have. It is finished. In Christ, you stand perfected by Jesus Christ's righteousness. Not in of your own, but by Jesus' righteousness. You are covered, you are protected from the blazing heat of God's righteousness. That wrath has been paid for. God has shown you grace on that cross. Grace, undeserved favor. Not only are you forgiven and set free from the condemnation of wrath, but he loves you as a child. He calls you son or daughter if you are in him. He died on that cross so you wouldn't have to. He paid the price that we were unable to pay so that you wouldn't have to. For those of us in Christ, this is wonderful news. This is the best news. Although... It was a dark Friday and it cost Jesus everything. This is the best day because it means that we can be right before a holy God. But if you are not yet in Christ, there only remains the terrifying reality of being under God's wrath, under condemnation for all time and eternity. God calls you to himself when you become his. And he calls you through the precious blood of Jesus Christ spent on that cross for you, for us.